Welcome to You News, the podcast using the power of Univision to bring the news that matters to you in English. Today is Tuesday, May 19th. I'm Lorraine Cáceres. Here are today's headlines. The death toll from the coronavirus pandemic growing higher and higher here in the U.S. New numbers painting a dark picture of just how many lives have been lost. President Trump stunning the medical community by claiming he has been taking a widely debunked treatment for the virus, as experts urge caution. And a growing number of volunteers say they are willing to risk it all to help fast-track a cure. This and much more today on You News, recorded live in our newsroom in Miami. We begin today with a grim milestone. In just 102 days, more than 90,000 people in the U.S. have died from the coronavirus. That's the latest update from Johns Hopkins University. The first known U.S. coronavirus-related fatality was February 6. Since then, tens of thousands have died, and there have been at least 1.5 million domestic cases. Now to President Trump's surprise public announcement. He says he's been taking the anti-malaria drug hydroxychloroquine as a preventative measure. The news has drawn immediate criticism from many health experts who warn against potential dangers and side effects. Andrea Linares has the latest. President Trump making a stunning announcement, saying he's taking hydroxychloroquine as a preventive measure against the coronavirus. This happening despite warnings from his own government that it should only be administered for COVID-19 in a hospital or research setting due to potentially fatal side effects. A lot of good things have come out about the hydroxy. A lot of good things have come out. And you'd be surprised at how many people are taking it, especially the frontline workers, before you catch it. The frontline workers, many, many are taking it. I happen to be taking it. I happen to be taking it. Hydroxychloroquine? I'm taking it, hydroxychloroquine. Right now, yeah. A couple of weeks ago, I started taking it. Trump claims he consulted with the White House physician. Overnight, the White House releasing this letter. It mentions the president's valet who tested positive for COVID-19 two weeks ago. But the doctor does not explicitly say that Trump is in fact taking the drug nor why. The physician goes on to say, after numerous discussions, he and I had regarding the evidence for and against the use of hydroxychloroquine, we concluded the potential benefit from the treatment outweighed the relative risks. It's a drug President Trump has repeatedly touted as a miracle cure for COVID-19. But a new study published in the Journal of the American Medical Association shows that hydroxychloroquine does not work against COVID-19 and could cause heart problems. I get a lot of positive calls about it. The only negative I've heard was the study where they gave it, was it the VA with, you know, people that aren't big Trump fans. Also overnight, the president tweeting a four-page letter attacking the World Health Organization, claiming it has shown an alarming lack of independence from China. The president also threatening to withdraw U.S. membership and permanently withhold all U.S. funding if major substantive improvements are not made in the next 30 days. Meanwhile, some developing news from biotech company Moderna reporting their vaccine has been found safe and effective in the first phase of its human trial. We took the first eight subjects in the study. They've got antibodies, but are those antibodies 
likely to be protective? Are they neutralizing the virus? And actually, we saw, in fact, all in all cases, they were which was really encouraging. Moderna will now head into phase two of its vaccine trial, testing about 600 patients. Phase three is expected to start in July, testing as many as 10,000 people. In Miami, Florida, Andrea Linares, U News. Thank you, Andrea. And meanwhile, another controversy for the president, Trump defending Secretary of State Mike Pompeo against allegations he had staffers wash his dishes and walk his dog. Pompeo has recently been under two separate investigations by the former State Department Inspector General. One was over whether he was involved in expediting an $8 billion arms sale to Saudi Arabia under a national emergency to circumvent congressional involvement last year. The other involved accusations Pompeo forced a staffer to perform personal errands. On Monday, Trump said the allegations are, quote, stupid. Take a listen. Now I have you uh, telling me about dog walking, washing dishes. And you know what? I'd rather have him on the phone with some world leader than have him wash dishes because maybe his wife isn't there or his kids are there. You know, what are you telling me? It's terrible. It's so stupid. You know how stupid that sounds to the world? Last Friday, Trump fired Steve Linick, the State Department inspector general who was conducting those probes. For millions and millions of residents, it's now back to work across the country. Some businesses taking social distancing practices seriously, but many wondering if precautions will be enough to prevent a second wave. Every state in the country will have loosened coronavirus restrictions by the end of this week, with the last two, Connecticut and Massachusetts, announcing steps Monday. The public health metrics that guide this process mean it's possible to reopening manufacturing facilities and construction sites effective today. From coast to coast, scenes of relaxed social distancing. In Florida, nearly 800 new coronavirus cases were announced Sunday, right before the state fully entered phase one of reopening. We've seen uh, some of the statistics about uh, states throughout the United States that have reopened and started to see some level of resurgence. And that's obviously a big concern for us. In Los Angeles, beachgoers must remain six feet apart and wear masks when there aren't in the water. Arkansas becoming the first state in the country to hold a concert with social distancing. In Maryland, this bar coming up with an interesting idea to keep customers six feet apart. Patio-only dining has opened in Ohio, but multiple restaurants received citations after owners admit social distancing was hard to control. And as more factories reopen, not everyone is happy about returning to work. More than 130,000 auto workers back on the job in Michigan for the first time in eight weeks. Should be here. Meanwhile, in New York, as much of the state opens up, Governor Andrew Cuomo urged residents to get tested, even getting one himself. The question now is, will social distancing measures work to contain the spread? New coronavirus cases and deaths in the United States have slowed in recent days. A new study published in the journal Health Affairs calculates if no lockdown or distancing policies were put in place, nationwide the numbers could have been 35 times higher. The shelter-in-place order had the largest effect. The other restriction that had a clear impact was the closing of these entertainment-related businesses like restaurants. Many states are actively hiring contact tracers. California, for example, is increasing hires from 3,000 to about 13,000 by the end of this month. 
Now to the latest on kids and COVID-19. New cases are being reported of a dangerous inflammatory syndrome, which the CDC has now linked to coronavirus. Janelle Delis has the latest. This morning, cases of the rare inflammatory illness in children growing. Doctors in 21 states and Washington, D.C. are investigating more than 200 cases of what the CDC recently named multisystem inflammatory syndrome in children, linking it to COVID-19. Symptoms include fever, stomach pain, red, irritated eyes, and swollen lymph nodes. But while the cases rise, the World Health Organization making this claim. From what we know now, the children are less capable of spreading it, even if they get the infection and certainly are at very low risk of getting ill from the disease. Infectious disease experts and pediatricians say they need to see more data. And they clearly can spread it. Children are often asymptomatic. So that still speaks to the need for ongoing testing to identify. As stories like seven-year-old Levi Pex in Detroit serve as a warning. His mother thought he had a stomach bug. Then three days later, his fever persisted and stomach illness worsened and his eyes turned red. If we would have waited one more day, we might not be here. Hospitalized for eight days, Levi has thankfully now recovered. Janelle Dalise, U News. This morning, Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin and Fed Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell testifying during a Senate Banking Committee hearing where they were pressed on the massive coronavirus stimulus programs they oversee. Claudio Seda has the details from Washington, D.C. Good afternoon from Washington, both Powell and Mnuchin were grilled by Democrats and Republicans at the hearing, both testify remotely via video. Now, Democratic Senator Sharon Brown pressed Mnuchin about the White House push to rapidly reopen parts of the economy and risking some workers' health. Let's listen. Secretary Mnuchin, you said there's considerable risk of not reopening, that keeping some businesses closed could cause permanent economic damage. How many workers will die if we send people back to work without the protections they need? Mr. Secretary. Mr. Senator, we don't intend to send anybody back to work without the protections. And I would say I was prepared to come there today. I thought it was safe to testify. Matter of fact, I already was at the Senate this morning wearing a mask. And I assure you, uh, both myself and everybody on the task force, the vice president and others are following the best medical advice. And uh, I, I couldn't be more proud of the medical advice that we're getting and the way the economy is opening up in a safe way. The Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell also explained his comments last week about the urgent need of more emergency aids from Congress. I wanted to call out a risk there, which was the risk of longer term damage to the, to the economy. And uh, that's what I was doing. And I, I said, we may we may need to do more and, and Congress may as well. Now the president is having lunch with Republicans and the Senate. This comes in a time when there is more pressure for another relief package. But nobody knows when is that coming. Now back to you. Thank you, Claudio Seda, reporting from Washington, D.C. And Senator Marco Rubio is taking the reins over the Senate Intelligence Committee. The Florida Republican will become acting chairman of the Influential Committee Tuesday. The role opened up when Senator Richard Burr stepped down last week. He is being investigated by the FBI for selling up to $1.7 million worth of stocks just before the market collapsed due to the pandemic. 
The Senate Intelligence Committee is currently in the final stages of a three-year bipartisan investigation into Russian election interference. That investigation has sometimes involved President Donald Trump and his allies. And Attorney General William Barr says Barack Obama and Joe Biden are unlikely to be under criminal investigation in a review of the Russia probe that began in 2016. Barr's comments address simmering accusations by President Trump against his predecessor and his 2020 opponent. As to President Obama and Vice President Biden, whatever their level of involvement, based on the information I have today, I don't expect Mr. Durham's work will lead to a criminal investigation of either man. Our concern over potential criminality is focused on others. According to more than a half dozen people familiar with the investigation, the focus appears to be one decisions by top officials overseeing the intelligence analysis of Russian election interference efforts in 2016, particularly the leadership of then-CIA Director John Brennan and then-Director of National Intelligence James Clapper. And the Democratic-led House of Representatives on Monday told the Supreme Court that the House needs materials to determine if there is new evidence of impeachable offenses involving President Trump. They made the argument as they asked for the release of secret grand jury materials from special counsel Robert Mueller's investigation. The House General Counsel said in a filing Monday that the impeachment investigation into Trump's possible obstruction of justice is not over. And he said if the grand jury materials reveals the evidence, then the new articles of impeachment could follow. And more than 180 churchgoers in California are under self-isolation after an infected person attended an in-person service. The service was on Mother's Day and the person who attended tested positive for the virus the following day. The church's pastor in Palermo says the worshiper did not have symptoms during the service. Health officials are working to get tests for the other people who were at the church. The service violated a statewide order that forbids gatherings. The Navajo Nation has surpassed New York as the country's most infected area per capita, but the nation, which spans parts of Arizona, Utah, and New Mexico, is sparsely populated and has one of the strictest stay-at-home orders in the U.S. So what's behind the infections? Rafael Rodriguez explains. The beauty of the Navajo Nation masks the vengeance coronavirus has exacted on its people, even in the most remote places. Out of nowhere, it came about and just whipped through us. Felicita Jones is one of five people in her family who has contracted the virus that takes your breath away. I could just go, <laughs> but I didn't want to go to the hospital. I didn't want to leave my kids behind. Because <laughs> I had so much to do in life with them. <laughs> I have all together nine kids. She didn't want to go to the hospital because too many people she knows never made it back to their homes alive. The nation is now reporting nearly 4,000 COVID-19 cases in a population of 175,000, which means they surpassed New York and now have the highest infection rate per capita in the United States. This is partly because the Navajo Nation says it has tested more people than any other state, 11% of its population. 
The Navajo Nation spans 27,000 square miles. There are no short distances here, which is just one of the difficulties getting resources to its people. In a place like this, self-distancing might seem easy, but it's not because mostly everyone shops at the exact same stores. The president of the Navajo Nation says infrastructure and resources long ago promised by the federal government never materialized. And now there's a perfect scenario for the virus to spread. Also, generations of families often live in one home, so if someone does get the virus, isolation is often impossible, never mind frequent hand-washing. For now, he has placed the strictest of measures on his people, 8 p.m. curfews on weekdays and on weekends, a 57-hour lockdown. Not even the gas stations are open. And their lucrative tourism and entire gaming industry also shut down until further notice. The coronavirus battle Native Americans are facing is just like the one in the rest of the nation. Except on their tribal lands, the suffering is more acute. 40% of families already live below the poverty line. So when the tribal government traversed their nation, handing out healthy food and bottled water, the line seemed endless at every single stop. Many were gathering items to help others survive, like Felicita Jones, who is still self-quarantining after a battle with the coronavirus. Rafael Rodriguez, U News. And thousands of young men and women around the world are signing up to get infected with COVID-19 in the name of science. Nayeli Chavez-Geller spoke to one of the potential participants in this controversial and risky project, hoping to accelerate the path to a vaccine. More than 90,000 people have lost their lives to COVID-19 in the United States, and over 300,000 lives have been claimed around the world. That's the reason why so many young people have expressed interest in becoming part of an experiment sponsored by a nonprofit organization called One Day Sooner. I have relatives who have fallen ill. I know people who have died, so I know how serious this virus is. Juan Cambeiro is 21 years old and is one of 16,000 volunteers from 100 different countries around the world who have signed up for the experiment. He admits his parents were afraid of him getting exposed to the virus, so he can then be injected with a placebo, all for the possibility of advancing the process towards a COVID-19 vaccine. But then they understood how important this is for the greater good of all, and that it would take place under a controlled environment with access to the best doctors. The controversial project needs to be approved by the FDA, but has attracted the attention of the World Health Organization. This could save months of the time required to evaluate a vaccine. The goal is to do the fastest responsible uh, and uh, scientifically valid way of evaluating the vaccine. The coronavirus is also posing a threat to the survival of thousands of businesses in cities like New York, still shut down due to the pandemic. As of this week, contact tracers will be working in the fight against the virus. A measure, according to the governor, is necessary in order to reopen the city. If a person's test is positive, the contact tracers search all the people this person has been in contact with for the past two weeks. The contact tracers would reach people via phone or the Internet. In New York, Nayeli Chavez-Geller, U News.
And looking around the country, Louisiana's Department of Health has released new information showing how many people living in nursing homes have become infected with the coronavirus. One of the hardest hit centers was Old Jefferson Community Care Center in Baton Rouge, where 82 of the 83 residents living there have tested positive. 21 people have died at the facility. And in Colorado, Governor Jared Polis took a coronavirus test at an event in Jefferson. It was part of an event to promote free coronavirus testing for anyone in the state who has symptoms. The governor also urged asymptomatic first responders, healthcare workers and grocery store employees to get tested. More of you news after this short break. Imagine a daily newscast that speaks to you about your world in plain English. Each weekday, we partner with Hispanic America's most trusted news source to bring you the stories from home and abroad that matter to you. They don't know when they're going to be able to go back to work. Victims also from Mexico and this mass shooting. Officials in and out of the residence. We're going to continue fighting. Your news covers the news of your world and makes it easy to understand. Your news, your world, your news on Fusion. Welcome back to You News. The number of deaths from COVID-19 surpassed 30,000 in Latin America on Monday. According to Johns Hopkins University, so far Brazil has more deaths from the virus than any other Latin American country. That country now stands right behind the U.S. and Russia after topping 254,000 confirmed cases and nearly 17,000 deaths. President Jair Bolsonaro has faced criticism for his anti-lockdown rhetoric, even as cases in his country skyrocket. And residents of Ecuador's second largest city have asked authorities to remove containers with multiple corpses from outside a local hospital. Residents of Guayaquil complain the area smells bad and are concerned about outbreaks of other diseases. Guayaquil has suffered one of the world's worst outbreaks of COVID-19 and officials have run out of places to bury the dead. The number of confirmed coronavirus cases in Mexico continues to rise amid reports that the real number of cases far exceeds what the federal government is reporting. But as Carla Rivera explains, what can't be disputed is the overwhelming burden the country's death toll is putting on the nation's morgues and crematoriums. Until Monday, the Mexican Health Authorities reported that the country had more than 51,000 infections and 5,332 deaths from COVID-19. The virus has gained ground in almost the entire country, but Mexico City, the country's capital, has become the epicenter of the pandemic. Victor Ochoa, funeral operator, confirms since April victims of COVID-19 have saturated the hospitals, morgues and crematoriums of the capital. We take the bodies to be cremated and the crematoriums are saturated. For a time, we had to wait one or two days to be able to do the cremations. Johan shared that his relative died in a public hospital, but he couldn't see the body because he was already in a bag, and even though he wanted to say goodbye, he couldn't get into the cemetery. We didn't see her again. The body was already in a black bag. We located it only with her name and with the vet's number. I feel bad because I couldn't see her or say goodbye. Despite the saturation, the Undersecretary of Health, Hugo lopez Gatel, affirms that Mexico flattened the coronavirus curve. 
In this regard, Dr. Alejandro Macias, researcher and specialist in internal medicine and infectology, considers that there could be more than one million infections in the country. I believe in this moment of the epidemic, in Mexico, 1% of the population must have been infected. And 1% for a population of 127 million means at least 1 million people. At the moment, we don't know how many people have died from coronavirus in Mexico and in the world. But Dr. Macias believes that we will know that number in the coming months thanks to excess mortality. We will have to account for those who died in April, May and June of 2020. Then we will compare that number to the average death for the past five years. The difference will be the true number of deaths of the pandemic. From Mexico City, Carla Rivera, U News. Thanks for listening to You News, the podcast. Don't forget to follow You News on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And if you haven't yet, go to your favorite podcast platform and subscribe, rate, and review. Join us tomorrow for a new episode. Until then.